0: Welcome my friends to the podcast, Scott St. Marie here, and a very special guest, I was so honored to meet her, finally, Dr. Kelly Brogan, although she insisted that I just call her Kelly, because she is not your average doctor, and definitely not your average psychiatrist, because she's a psychiatrist, a holistic psychiatrist, that doesn't write prescriptions, She's into integrative, holistic medicine. In fact, she decided not to renew her board certification as a psychiatrist in 2019. In fact, the reason I I decided to really get a hold of her and interview Kelly Brogan is because I spent some time years back actually making videos and really turning people against her. (laughs) It's an incredible journey, isn't it? that I did not like this person. I was against everything she wrote. That she was against pharmaceuticals, against antidepressants, against psychiatry. And I thought, well, doesn't psychiatry help so many people? Aren't antidepressants so effective? I'm taking them. That must mean I have to defend my stance of taking antidepressants at the time. So I was I was spending time really researching and looking at things to make a plot and plan to take her out and little me of course I couldn't do it but now reading more having this holistic approach to health knowing the power of meditation and diet and exercise on the brain and on the body and now reading more of Kelly Brogan's work I'm I'm sold man she has r- something really really special that she's providing to her community and to the world and I think it's just amazing what she's doing. So my mind has changed. It's really cool as you go through life, you really think about times when you were proved wrong. And it's great being wrong because being right feels a lot better. So it's, it's okay to be challenged and to change your mind through life. The problem lies when we just get stuck in one belief, stuck in one way of thinking, and no one can change our mind. And this is where we see such, we see such divide in, in politics and in countries in the U.S. of people just not listening to each other, just not trying to listen to someone else's perspective. And in this interview, uh, you know, I obviously had an open mind and she has a beautiful open mind to, to learning more and listening and, and helping so many people around the world. And I had to really open my mind when it came to pharmaceuticals and just different ways to treat mood disorders of not labeling people based on an emotion a disorder it's a very strange thing we're doing in the mental health field and pathologizing human emotion so i i talked to kelly about you know how i tried to take her out and i was trying to convince people that this is a bad person go see a regular psychiatrist take your pills people and this was just such a cool opportunity, and it really it was surreal, selfishly for me, because I've realized how much I've changed, and how change is so scary, yet so inevitable and so crucial to the human spirit and human condition. So I, I'm so lucky and, and so fortunate to have, have met Kelly... Um, please enjoy the podcast. Please check out all of her links in the description. Check out her own online community. Check out her YouTube channel. See what she's doing. Check out her books, A Mind of Your Own. She wrote a children's book. She's a beautiful person. Such amazing energy that, that came through the screen. And hopefully I get to meet her in person one day. But uh, I'm done chatting. Here's Kelly Brogan in three, two, one. Okay, I, I need to come clean about something, actually right off the bat for the listeners and you, I, I spent a little while on my YouTube channel. This was years ago, trying to turn people against you. Oh That's God. right. I, I know.
1: Did because I just got an email the other day from somebody who said he was like an arch troll for years. And now I'm on this very small private email list with a friend of ours, Tom Cowan, And he's like, he's like recovered himself and cured himself. And now he's a huge fan. (laughs) This is amazing. I want to know more. I want to know more about the experience.
0: This is what happens. Cause then as, as people like me, we get to learn a little more and do a little introspection. We're like, Oh, maybe she's right about everything. So, you know, I, I watched, I know, I know. I watched, um, this was years ago. So I was on medication for a long time, like 12 years. So. Automatically, I, on my YouTube channel, it's all people really diagnosed with depression and yeah. anxiety, generalized anxiety disorder. Let's put the labels on just for fun. Um, and and I was, I guess, an example of someone who takes medication who's doing well. So I was like yeah. a, a kind of, you know, a, a great example. And, and then I see you and you're preaching mental health and all these great things, but you're anti-medication. And then my my little mechanism of threat comes on and I'm like, well, I have to defend myself. But then all of these other people, do you get that in your practice and, and people that discover you for the first time? Do you get backlash like that?
1: You know, it's it's very helpful um, to hear what you're saying, because a lot of the personal, you know, if you want to call it spiritual work that I've done over the past couple of years is under the umbrella of shadow work, right? So So how am I projecting on others that I judge parts of me that I'm not aware of yet, that I haven't learned how to accept or love. And I've discovered a lot there, you know, it's a huge catacomb full of ugly parts of me that I would rather not be aware of. Uh, and, and you know, that kind of anti that you referred to, that anti-medication is very accurate. Mm-hmm. However, um, that is the same energy as all the other antis, right? The antihypertensives, the antibiotics, the antidepressants, the anti anxiety medications that I would seek to undermine, right? Mm. So, so I, at this point, and for some time, would like to consider myself pro informed consent, uh, because I think, you know, it's a very, very difficult path, and we all take the path, exact path that we are meant to take. I'm a believer in that. However, It's a difficult path, you know, it's like hiking in the snow, barefoot kind of a thing Um, to not have had information in time that would have awakened something within you that already was there. A knowing, right. That would have reminded you of something that you already kind of know, right. Mm. That's, oh, it's tough. It's a tough road. I am not here to suggest what anybody what's best for anybody. I mean, trust me, I've tried with family, I've tried with close friends, and that's why I'm so interested in what you're sharing, because in my experience, people don't change their mind because of information. Um, And Mm -hmm. and maybe the, the opposite is true, where they become more entrenched and they dig their heels in when information feels like an assault to their identity or a judgment or a condemnation. You know, I've had entire websites literally devoted to me and, and, erected calling me. And, uh, the, uh, I remember one of them was the ugly ableism of <laughs> Kelly Brogan. Right. And what? I thought, wow, you know, so I'm also a believer that all criticism has, a, 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 a at least a kernel of truth. And yeah. I found that to be the case, you know, I, I've been trolled endlessly, um, for years and years and, and they never really lie, you know, and these are even like the pharma funded bots, you know, I mean, apart from like, you know, calling me, you know, gross profanity or whatever that they they don't, it's not, you know, it's like criticism of what I would charge in my private practice or, you know, that I would recommend supplement or whatever. It was never really an egregious lie. And so I always sort of took that as a reflection that there's some way I could be meeting the world that comes more from my heart, you know, and, and my true, passion, you know, for what it is that I've discovered, which actually isn't, isn't a fight against anything. You know, I, am a huge believer in the Bucky Fuller sentiment, you know, that you don't fight the existing system. You, you create a new one that renders it obsolete. That Mm. is the way. And, you know, aren't we being invited toward that in this moment in time now? It's 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 so challenging because we don't even know how to expand into creativity. We only know how to say I don't like that. (laughs) Right. So I spent years, you know, because I was so dyed in the wool. You know, I was such a believer, hardcore and plus blood, sweat and tears, working 100 hours a week, getting paid like three dollars an hour getting abused by higher ups. I mean, it's a, it's a typical, you know, hierarchical system like the military or anything else is designed that way to break you down and steal your soul. (laughs) Ask any doctor. Um, And when I sort of felt the victimhood of having been fed this pile of lies and, and not having been exposed to so much medical literature, scientific literature that told a completely different story about the relevance of lifestyle factors, I felt really angry, really, like rage, like soared aloft for years. And, you know, I just started like, went into PubMed and started collecting like bullets, you know, like all of these studies and, and I jammed them all in my first book. And, and then I had to do some healing because I was turning into, you know, in, in perhaps subtle ways, but I, I felt it like as Nietzsche said, I, I was turning into the monster I was fighting. And I mm-hmm. see that with a lot of activists. We all have deep childhood wounds. You know, we all do period, but actually yeah. for sure. And we project the bad parts of ourselves onto the parentified authority, which in in my case is the medical system or the government. Um, right. So, you know, so now I'm very interested in just celebrating what's possible.
0: Well, I think you hit a few points there. I had a um, Dr. Sam Vaknin on the podcast and he does a lot of work in narcissism and a lot of activism and the protests we see are straight out of narcissism and a lot of what we see in politics comes straight out of of narcissism. Mm -hmm. So that's one point. I felt the same thing like talking about mental health and now having this new enlightened experience. I'm actually going to say that and I'm sure you experience that talking to your clients when they come off of antidepressants. Um, just seeing everything again for the first time—that's what I like to say. Saying everything again for the first time, but I, I know what you mean. Is you're kind of instead of beating up an old system, you're really creating a new one, and in, in that, in itself, it's kind of beating up the old system automatically. Yeah. But but what are you what are you really creating now? Then what are you excited about? But actually, first I need to ask you this: Why did you become? a psychiatrist what other options were out there what about a psychologist what about just an md what about a veterinarian
1: <laughs> yeah that's that's a great question <laughs> i um i went to mit for for college and mit at least at the time uh was fairly notorious for its suicide uh completed suicide rate right it was like an issue and there was a free hotline you could call and it was destigmatized because you could call for like the Domino's pizza delivery number. Or you could call because you're literally and this happened about to jump out of the green building, you know, like the, the tallest building in 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 Boston. Um, and I worked that hotline and we were up all night, you know, fielding these calls. And I was supervised by a psychiatrist, very kind, uh, you know, kind of classical archetypal psychiatrist guy, older guy. And I just found it fascinating, you know, that he could mitigate human suffering in, in these ways. And, and we've funneled people to the psychiatric system. Essentially, that's what we did with this hotline. And it Mm -hmm. felt like, you know, the, there is the triangle, right? Like the, 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 the savior, the victim perpetrator, right? So, so it's very easy for us to identify with the savior, to to derive a sense of worth that we are fundamentally lacking from within from this this um adoption of a the role of helper and you know look at all the the jobs there are in the world they're all service kinds of jobs for the most part right and so i felt like okay well this feels really good and actually powerful that i can do something to make save people's lives and make people feel better and so i went to medical school to become a psychiatrist I had a, a tangent kind of uh, for a couple of years where I thought I might become an OBGYN because I was born like a militant feminist, I don't know, like out the womb. And <laughs> and my feminism has evolved a lot over the years, a lot, to the point where I have been attacked to the point of death threats by big feminist groups since 2016. Oh,
0: that's so, not that's not surprising.
1: It's not, yeah, so yeah. for me it was. I was like, wait, I'm with you girls, like what do you? But, uh, yeah, and particularly for my perspectives on birth and birth control uh, pills and, uh, and of course, antidepressants. Um, and, and I really just found like, wow, this has nothing to do with supporting women. You know, the, the field of OBGYN is just uh, is ill constructed. Uh, and anyone who's in that field is is working in a way that is probably not aligned with their soul. And it's very difficult. So I was like, OK, forget that. I'm going to become a women's health psychiatrist great. I get to know the whole person. I get to develop a relationship. And that's what I did. And I went on to become one of actually the first 300 in the world, reproductive psychiatrists, as they're called. And I specialized in, uh, wait for it, (laughs) medicating pregnant and breastfeeding women with all of the medications, you know, like everything under the sun from Haldol to clonopin. you know, anything that, that, you know, fell, falls into the psychotropic category. I have some experience medicating a pregnant or breastfeeding woman with it because I was trained to look at the literature. So that's where I learned how to look at literature, mm-hmm. analyze it, um, understand how to pick it apart, which you can do for any single study. Uh, and I, I was comparing, you know, untreated, sometimes abrupt withdrawal from medication. So untreated uh mental illness, I'll put that in quotes,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, with medication that a patient perhaps in like in your case, was relatively stable on. So then I would, you know, collect all the registry data to basically say, well, most of these babies are born with five fingers and or <laughs> maybe that, but ten fingers and ten toes. Yeah. And, and you know, looks okay. So we, we're waiting for the long term data, but you know, it's, it's kind of the lesser of two evils and I, you know, I, I, I'm a caring person. I cared deeply about my patients and that was the choice that I made. So I've been that person and now I am the person who, you know, has not written a prescription for a patient in 11 years and wouldn't under any circumstances. I would just wouldn't, it's a commitment, ethical commitment. I have to myself. Wow. And I'm still the same person right yeah. so so what is that it's it's helped me to understand that the evolution of of belief is at the core of how we relate to our own embodiment and what it is to be human how we define health and you know recently i've even written you know that there are some entities in the the governmental or public sector realm that would be hard-pressed to define health as anything other than the absence of death.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah.
1: So that's not how I define it. I'm pretty sure it's not how you define it. Um, however, that definition is, is very essential before you even embark upon um, engaging any system, holistic or conventional or otherwise, uh, You know, around feeling better seeking to
0: benefit. right well well even just just i think it revolves around education too it's people you think it's because someone can run a marathon they tag this person as healthy and then you see certain covid cases of oh this healthy 25 year old you know got covid and then we're seeing okay now we're looking into it and actually it's like low blood sugar, was diabetic all these different cases so that's a really good point now you you actually call yourself a holistic psychiatrist, and not to insult you at all, it seems like an oxymoron to a lot of people, doesn't it? Right? Yeah, I think it's a beautiful term. I was speaking with Doctor Eamon um, from the U.S., and he was talking about you know there needs to be, and I think you're a beautiful leader in this category of psychiatry where people do drop the pad and pen now and look elsewhere instead of just uh, clusters of symptoms. So what is holistic psychiatrists mean?
1: Yes, I've, I've been received feedback. How about that? I have received feedback from the public, um, around my self-referential terminology like that, you know, that I call myself a psychiatrist, but then I, I judge psychiatry and psychiatrists and, and that's not, again, not untrue. Um, the reason that I think it's still helpful is because I think of myself as a bridge. Right. Like I, I uh with, with my husband, Sayer, we have a community called Vital Life Project. And there are so many people in our online community who have so many gifts and such a, a rich reservoir of knowledge and wisdom about the new world we are creating. Mm-hmm. Right. Permaculture, you know, regenerative, you know, homemaking, you know, and, and um, all manner of peacemaking with with the earth. Uh, let alone, you know, canning and fermenting and food storage and the things that, you know, I've been focusing on emancipating myself and others from the medical system. I don't know. I'm just learning about, you know, things like digital currency. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. a novice in so many things now because I've been focused Um Those are the people who know. uh, It's like I'm pointing that way. It's like I'm I'm saying the house is on fire. Go there. They're going to help you. Right. I'm not the one waiting over there. I am still cut from the cloth of the conventional establishment. That is a part of me. I know how, quote unquote, they think because I was them and I still am that person. Right. So referring to myself as a psychiatrist is, is helpful because we're still thinking in terms of, of, The um, subdivided human, you know, like the picture picture of the cow and all the parts kind of a thing. And Psychiatrist is what you think when you feel like you don't want to live anymore, when you can't get out of bed because you just don't feel like it's worth it. When you're so anxious that you cannot be present to anything in your life. When you're so forgetful that you literally can't, you know, bring your car keys to the car ever. When you, you know have dissociative experiences and you feel yourself floating above yourself and you don't know how to anchor when when you have perceptual disturbances and you don't know if you heard something or not, you know, the list goes on and on. People are are entrained and enculturated to associate that with one discipline, which is psychiatry. Right. You know, when you have a seizure, you think neurologist, when you have, you know, blood in the toilet, you think gastroenterologist, when you have a numb are whatever we think that way, because we haven't yet understood collectively that this is a web (laughs) and you only ever need one specialist and that specialist is literally you. It is you. And the path to understanding how to doctor yourself, in in my case, has been like a decade-long path of of dedication and commitment. Uh, Maybe it's shorter for some people.
0: Well, you dealt with Uh, some severe physical illnesses, didn't you? And over... (laughs)
1: It could have been severe, um, but within the first year of being diagnosed with an autoimmune condition called Hashimoto's, um, which is, you know, speaking of epidemics, extremely common, uh, it it can be quite disabling um, and recidivistic. And I was always taught, you know, there's no cure. It's not, you don't cure an autoimmune disorder. It's just something you manage, right? And when I was first diagnosed, I I just sort of, hit the eject button. I was like, I am not taking a prescription for the rest of my life. Like homie, don't play that. I'm not doing that. It was just not something I, I, it was anathema to me, even though I would written prescriptions every day for how many years at that point, almost 10. Uh, And I was very motivated because I wanted out of, of that hamster wheel. And I knew that all the women I had ever treated never felt fully well once they started on a synthetic thyroid hormone. So, you know, I my symptoms were like brain fog, forgetfulness, um, swings in metabolism, hair loss, and, you know, just a kind of flatness, I would say, like mood flatness. Uh, I was postpartum. So it's very easy to chalk up to new motherhood, which I think is very commonly the case because this is extremely common postpartum and can manifest, by the way, as literal psychosis, literally um, so, you know, it doesn't always manifest as what looks like depression, although that's pretty common, it can also look like anxiety. So it's like the mask, I call it a psychiatric masquerader.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but you know, I, I dodged a bullet of indentured servitude to the medical model because I had that little voice inside me that said, go see a naturopath. I didn't know how to doctor myself at that point. I didn't even know what that meant. Of course you want, you know, some specialist to tell you how, what to do. Totally. That feels very calming. And also they validate your sense that something is wrong. And even if it's not because they give you a diagnosis, which is very insidious in the mental health realm, because, you know, I'm sure you would agree. I think you would, you know, that first time that you got a diagnosis probably was both sort of like, oh, wow. Okay. But also like, you see, I knew something was wrong with me.
0: Right. Yes. It's nice to put a finger on it and finally be like, oh, that's the thing. And there it is. And all I need to do to get rid of that is to take one of these or to do certain things. It is a freeing feeling, yes. also also a scary feeling for sure. Yes. So for you, there was like, obviously a push factor, but with any like decision and change in life, there's usually a push and a pull. What was the, what was the pull factor to kind of, to leap you into, do we use the word natural like what is natural that's a that's a weird word like health too
1: it's greenwashed yeah, yeah i use the word lifestyle because it's all about choice and i find choice to be you know the human superpower um you know victor frankl has an amazing quote about how it's you know it's it's the one thing no one can take from you is is the choice even just to narrate what is happening to you uh in your own words right to mm. to to always retain the power to, you know, to, to issue forth your perspective on a matter, let alone make behavioral choices. So most of what I engage in and, you know, the subsequent protocol I put together is just about the simple choices you make every single day and how to send your nervous system this comprehensive signal of safety to begin to heal literally the neurobiology of victimhood. Mm. Or, you know, what in psychology is called learned helplessness. Uh, healing that is what unlocks regenerative capacity that is in me. It's inbuilt. You can't design it. You can't supplement it. You know, you can't medicate it. That's for sure. Uh, it has to be like facilitated, unlocked. It's like the conditions have to be created like any other complex system. You want to grow beautiful food. You any, any gardener or farmer knows the soil is where it's at. And, and that is not something you can dump fertilizer and expect it to happen. It's it's these gentle but care-oriented conditions that have to be created. And there's really no other way for the type of complex um, growth and manifestation to, to surface. But that's what I've, I've found is when the conditions are set and they start with mindset, they start with, perspective, belief, um, and they are facilitated by these daily choices that you're in control of, right? So what time are you waking up? What are you doing when you wake up? What are you eating for breakfast? What are you drinking? You know, how are you working your schedule? Are you moving? You know, these simple things that seem like, oh, please, that's wellness. And, you know, the wellness in ways has done a great disservice to the, the potential for Radical lifestyle facilitated healing to have made it, you know, to the medical headlines. Um, and not to be, you know, critical, but because I think it's the, the the market is so super saturated, and isn't like anchored with any, you know, sort of uh, I don't know shared language, which is something of which science can be. Um, you know, it seems like, oh, yeah, I'll do that just to kind of make my hair a little shinier, or, like decrease my bloating a little or whatever.
0: Yep.
1: Yes. These choices. Uh, and this is what I've become so passionate about is that once I saw my own, you know, condition go into to full remission in black and white, I needed to see it in black and white. That's how my brain works. You know, my antibodies in the high 2000s normalized, my TSH normalized. I saw that and I became a believer. And of one medicine, they call it. One patient defies you know the dogma if mm. one patient can and i know there were many before me but if one patient can put hashimoto's into remission through lifestyle change then the fact that it is a chronic illness is no longer true right can but that's not the writing definition or the gold standard and so i i guess unconsciously set out to start to put little pins on the wall in all of these diagnostic categories. And I, you know, I took all comers, you know, whether it was people with psychotic symptoms, you know, suicidal depression, bipolar, OCD, eating disorders, whatever. Uh, and lo and behold, all of their medical comorbidities, so whether they had lupus or, or reflux or asthma or um, polycystic ovary or whatever, all of these other things started to fall into remission as well and I had no intention, no expertise specifically in in those other diagnoses So that's how I began to say wow it's all this web and you set the conditions and the human physiology corrects itself but it cannot happen you know you can put two people through this same lifestyle protocol and one will be like man that was a waste of my month yeah you know?
0: right right
1: the other will have a history-making outcome. And I found that the, the difference between the two came down to a pre-existing, like a preceded, meaning like S-E-E-D, preceded belief that was already there. I did not give it to them. So, mm-hmm. that, so so in science, you know, this is called selection bias. You know, that the people who come to me, the patients who come to me or even come to me online or whatever, they already believe. Right, so so you you probably didn't
0: nice head start.
1: Yeah, you didn't. You probably didn't read a single thing I've ever written with an open heart until you already yourself believed it. I didn't totally. I know I didn't convince you because I've never convinced anyone of anything. And so that whatever that is, it can't be induced. It can't be coerced. But it is the the secret sauce, you know. And and it's so ineffable. I don't know what characterizes it. Why does somebody wake up when they do? I don't know. You know, in my case, it was kind of obvious. I was like, I don't want to take a pill. How about I try this? Tried it. It worked. Okay, great. And that was the beginning of my journey. But for most people, it starts. You know, it starts somewhere earlier, and it's very mysterious. It's beautiful.
0: But I think it's beautiful. And then at the same time, when when anyone faces any kind of change, even the thought of change is threatening. Like when I saw your stuff, I was so threatened. I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. Everything I believed about medicine, like something massive, which is why a lot of us are here today, like everything or a lot of it is wrong. Like what my psychiatrist has been telling me for 10 years is wrong. He lied to me. They gave me medication when maybe I didn't need it. So there's obviously like when, when you – cured this yourself and then saw that other people could do the same for depression, anxiety, bipolar, psychosis. It, was there was there a bit of a of, of fright in that? Was there a bit of threat? Did you ever be like, whoa, 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 I can't believe this is happening. I'm excited, but scared at the same time. And there's a fine line between those two. Was there anything like that for you? I knew I didn't do it.
1: You know, because in, in, the, in the month protocol that I use for myself in ways, like a version of it, and that I've operationalized clinically for 10 years now, there's no supplements. I don't do anything. I don't even talk to my patients. I literally give them basic instructions and they go do it. You know, then I developed this, I just translated online and there was a community and then it got even more amplified. So then I was like, okay, the community's doing it, the community's healing it. But I knew I wasn't doing it. The only thing I was offering was something that we've been conditioned to think we need, which is permission. Mm. And I have offered that and and with with my heart, with my confidence, and I have a very strong spine and I am very, very difficult to scare, you know? So I have vast experience with suicidal patients, vast, probably 50% of my practice at any given time has been actively suicidal. And I don't flinch because I know it's part of the deal. When your old self is dying, you feel like your whole self is dying and it's not true. So if, you know, if I could just be there and reflect back to them, the reframe, you know, the nature of what's happening, you know, that then, then for the most part, you know, it's, it's resolvable. But, but I am not necessary if a community can do that um it's not like some special thing i did so when when i started to see these outcomes i felt you know most interested in what you're you're mentioning which is who's who's available for this you know like how does this happen mm-hmm. um and what is it because i knew i was just holding space so to speak and that's when i kind of came the closest i've come to answering that question is that readiness is you know when, you, when moving in the direction of change feels like a relief, it feels like an exhale. Every step you take, you can't not, right? When it feels like you have to recruit that authoritarian kind of like self-flagellating whip and say like, do this, you never do anything, you know, like for yourself and you should do this and you said you were going to try it and you didn't last, all of that does not fly. But when it feels like, oh, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, it's like falling down a hill, you know, okay, here I go, I might as well relax my body because it's, I'm going <laughs> to be in,
0: yeah. or yeah.
1: you know, it's it's something you can't not, you can't stop. And that's been a characteristic of every patient and program completer that I have seen um, has really just blossomed, you know, like just come out. Uh, guns blazing. You know, I was just talking to Sayer today and this is public, you know, um, Ali Zek is, uh, you can find her on Instagram. She's a former patient of mine and, and we've published her case report in the medical literature. It's a history making case. She was by all definition, severely uh, mentally ill to the point of disabled being disabled, mentally disabled.
0: Okay.
1: And, um, I was the last stop, which is pretty common for holistic practitioners. You know, you try all that and then you're like, okay, what else is there? And um, you know, it was about, you know, there were a lot of physical gains. So that's what I like to offer is like a roadmap for getting your physiology coherent, but then the the rest of the path is all you. I don't know whether you need essential oils or homeopathy or a shaman or plant medicine. I have no idea. I couldn't possibly make recommendations around that. I am here to help open the door so you can activate that inner compass, you know, remind yourself of your own power that you have been completely brainwashed, you know, out of believing in. And then the rest is you. So, you know, I've been with her on this multi year journey. And I just have, (laughs) Sarah was like, wow, Allie is just like, what a gift to the movement, you know? And it's so true. I mean, what she creates, her voice, her truth. Her passion, her heart, her clarity. I mean, this woman is like a like a modern day warrioress. And all I can do is just like, I mean, it like brings tears to my eyes, like just like that that might not have been, you know, yeah. like that that might have been under the label of sick. Yeah. It's so heartbreaking. It's it's grief-inducing, you know, what we are doing totally unconsciously. Because like I said, I was writing these prescriptions too. Do you think I was trying to suppress the alleys of the world? No, of course I didn't know I was doing that. However, now there are inconvenient people like me in the world, you know, <laughs> and many others actually, Joanna Moncrief and Peter Bregan, you know, who've been speaking out for, for decades actually. And so it's kind of like, mm, how'd you miss the memo? You miss the memo because you chose not to read it at this point, you know? Yeah. You know? at a certain point in history maybe it would have been more excusable.
0: What what does the what does the kind of the protocol look like in in these online groups that that you that you can I say host? Because I think another big player in this game, you probably know Matt James, you wrote uh, a little memoir on his book Saving Dad. Yes. He was on, yeah, he was on the podcast, man. He helped that me a lot through. Out. Yeah, he helped me a lot get off medication uh, too. But uh, he says hi. By the way, I actually have a question for you. That he he wants to ask you something. I'll save it for the end. Um, but but what's this protocol look like? Because I have a feeling. I have a feeling that people who judge too quickly might think it's some complicated thing that only the best of the best can do. I feel like the the longer I'm on the earth, the the more I enjoy living very simply and living so basically like when I see anxiety and depression rates and overprescribing and all of this and in my community and people convince themselves that they are an anxious person, like they label with the illness, I am a depressed person. And even people experiencing these emotions, like it's no wonder we're in front of screens all day. We don't exercise. We don't know what to eat. We don't sleep. Like it totally makes sense for the way we're living right now. And, and, and so what's your program all about? Is it taking notice of that and just getting back to basics and these basic pillars of quote unquote health?
1: So, yeah, I mean, I love what, what you, you said. I totally agree. And I often reference the Krishnamurti quote that's, you know, it's no sign of health to be well adapted to a profoundly sick society. Right. And we are calling, you know, the, the so-called canaries in the coal mine, these very sensitive people, sensitive to wrong ways of living We are getting them sick and broken and they're believing it because there's a little part of all of us that says, I'm really fucked up. You know, something about me is wrong or different, terminally different in a bad way. right?
0: Terminally different. Yeah. Like I, I I could try, sorry, I could cry tears of, of joy and frustration at the same time when you're talking about your friend who graduated the program. Like the talent I see in these people, like they're like, Scott, like, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've been given the medication. I, yeah, I'm depressed. Uh, check out my artwork. This is what really makes me feel good. Like the talent, the ability is unbelievable in these people. And they're, they're told the story, the chemical imbalance story, and it makes them feel like shit. Like they're going to have to deal with anxiety forever. Like I have anxiety. I have depression. The only option is to take medication for the rest of my life and manage it forever. And it's such a shame because there's such unbelievable potential in these people. And it always just gets to me. And and, I feel stuck. So which is why I absolutely love what you're doing.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a reclamation of power. And we all have to do it. It's just we have to do it. In in different ways, and we start in different places because we are all enslaved. We're indoctrinated and enslaved. We are waking up from that illusion, right? And I am a big believer in this kind of Maslow's hierarchy of like an order of operations, right? So mm-hmm. first, start with the low hanging fruit. You know, if if you have you know a, a diet induced B twelve deficiency, or you have blood sugar instability, or you know, you have gluten or dairy antigenicity, like where it's inflaming your brain. And that's very commonly one of the most rapidly reversible uh, drivers of what we're calling chronic illness. You clean things up for one month. You may not have to go on some, you know, shamanic journey home to your child self. I had to. Maybe <laughs> you don't. Right. That's not yeah. for everyone. And maybe you will feel like a million bucks and- and have this clear vessel where you're in touch with your yes and your no, and you know how to navigate the world and manifest prosperity and, and figure out what you're here to do. Right. But start, start there. And, and to your point, you know, there's another woman, Lindsay Fleshwood, and she's also on Instagram and, uh, which you know, I'm, I'm in the process of leaving Instagram, but. These oh, why is that? Just
0: censorship, you know, just a little. You're censorship. getting censored too? Oh yeah,
1: i have been for for some time and you know now I'm having posts taken down without any literally taken from my account yeah. So moving to moving to Telegram and MeWe.
0: Oh, good for uh, you. Well, aside. <laughs> even on Facebook and Instagram if people starting um Even uh, keto groups or low carb groups for health, those are taken down too.
1: You can't go to Tommy's sandbox and insist on playing your game. It's Tommy's (laughs) sandbox. He's going to play his games. That's how it works. So I find out a victimhood around it. But anyway, Lindsay, I just commissioned an art piece from her because she was a medicated bipolar patient, did this. I don't even, she might've even done the protocol from one of my books because this protocol is in both of my books. You can get at a library, literally. Um, the, the more refined one is in own yourself, my most recent one, but regardless, she, I was not her doctor and she is the most, one of the most incredible artists I've ever, I mean, what she creates. So it's my taste too. Like, it's just so beautiful. Yeah. And what if, what if that was like, Locked in this crumpled box where she thought that that energy, whatever she channels, because now working with her in this commission piece, I see like, wow, what a wild process she has. You know, what if it was under the umbrella of like, ooh, got to hide that, you know, from society kind of thing. Right. So the protocol necessarily is self done. Right. So there's no supplements. Um, there's no testing. And I was trained in functional medicine where I don't know if, you know, you know much about functional medicine, but there can be a lot of testing yeah. um, associated. And, and sometimes that can be great, but sometimes that can also have a, a disempowering shadow where, you know, you need to yeah. rely on a practitioner and you need to look at all the ways that you're messed up and take all these supplements. Otherwise your amino acids are uh, yeah. so all just daily lifestyle choices. So it's nutrition based. Um, there's detox protocol that um, is rather controversial that I learned from my mentor, Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez. Um,
0: ah, sticking coffee up the ass. Know, yeah, I, I love it.
1: Um, that totally changed my practice. So I, I'm not yeah. sure I ever would have opened my mind to it had I not had direct experience with his, you know, 27 years of of history making outcomes in his cancer practice. Um, And then it's relaxation response. So I'm training kundalini yoga. I think you can get a real quick hit in three minutes. So that's what I teach is these basic meditations really kind of stripped down. Um, And then, you know, some people can do this on their own from a book. Some people really need more support. And so we have, you know, different tiers. Um, The protocol is meant to be like a month deep dive. But we found that there are a lot of people who like are so intimidated by that and, and just can't conceive of, Breaking through the discomfort barrier of, of setting aside that month. I'm still a big believer in it, just to yeah. know what your baseline is, addiction-free. Um, and when I say addiction, I mean also sugar and coffee and you know, all the things, mm-hmm. refined um flour. Uh, and so we created this the membership model that is for little bite-sized lifestyle changes, but it's a spiral, right? And I do the membership challenges, we do one a month too. And it's, it'll be, you know, 15 minutes of grounding a day. So feet on the ground or going to bed at 9 PM for a week, or the hardest one for me at this stage still is drinking just like water as my beverage, right? So no matcha, like no kombucha, like just, oh.
0: water. uh,
1: if you derive emotional satisfaction from your beverages, that's going to be hard, right? So you just right. learn more about yourself every time you take on one of these little self hats in a way, but, the defining feature and the field that I think confers the outcomes that we see is that me and Sayer, you know, my partner, we walk the walk and we believe in the limitless potential of natural healing.
0: Yeah. So you know,
1: there are no pharmaceuticals in our household. Period. With our children, nothing. We have
0: four. Ib- ibuprofen?
1: No. No. Nothing. Uh, no. No. Nothing. Wow. And, you know, it's it's also about the reframe, you know, like if if there's a fever in the household, it's not like, oh, my God, ah, so scary. What's going to happen to seizure? No, like you can also look at it as one of the most complex and sophisticated, like nearly symphonic responses that the body has inbuilt for a total clearing you know for a total slate clearing and i've gotten very interested in something called german new medicine which is an even deeper redefinition of what's going on so that by the time you have symptoms the problem is already solved right and it's the the microbes that are in different tissues in your body that are facilitating the restructuring of the tissue that adapted to accommodate whatever stressor you know you brought on board mostly wow. through your psyche right mostly through your perception so we change our physiology through our perception. I always give um, this example of like, if you're walking down an alleyway, let's say you're like, you know, a beautiful woman in a short skirt or whatever, and you're walking down an alleyway at night by yourself and you hear footsteps coming up behind you, you know, what's going to happen? Your physiology is going to change. Rapid breathing, maybe sweating, racing hard. You're going to tighten up. You're going to prepare, you know, through your stress response.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If you hear your friend's voice coming from those footsteps, what's going to happen? You're going to laugh. You're going to expel the energy. You're going to calm down. Your heart's going to calm down. And that physiology is going to be totally undone. And the only thing that changed is you told yourself it's cool. Right. In this community, we, I think, are pretty expert at holding the space of it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Yes. something You don't get to feel because actually we're learning emotional mastery. We're learning how to feel feelings because yeah. we know that they're not going to kill us. And we know that feeling them actually is preventive medicine. Right. So learning how to feel fear, learning yeah. how to feel anger. I just went to, you know, an OSHO uh, dynamic meditation that my friend facilitated this morning and I screamed and cried for 20 minutes this morning, literally in a room, you know, with another friend.
0: Um, oh, where do they do that are you are you in new york because i'm in in a condo and i used to practice dynamic meditation but i'd have to go to the woods where no one can hear me because the the whole floor would hear me during my during my osho practice i
1: you're doing it well yeah <laughs> so we're, in, we're in miami and it's oh,
0: so just, that's where you moved you yeah. were in new
1: york i've been here two plus years almost two and a half years
0: whoa but wait yeah. did you move in different spots in miami like recently?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm in transition. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I'm having a sex change. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm in. Uh, yeah, I, I put my whole house in storage. Wow. So that's a thing to do once in so
0: week. you're the type of person that uses those storage units. I always drive by them <laughs> on the highway. I'm like, who's using these things? <laughs>
1: Who has this much stuff? I thought the same thing. No, oh. <laughs> but it's kind of, it's like satisfying is my whole house. All my belongings are in this little cube. It's kind of like a,
0: cadet- that is cool. So uh, I think a big thing about your vital mind reset. And I'm very, uh, cognizant of time is that you have that community and the community of support because even my good friend may rest in peace john who i'm a big fan of he did a bunch of research saying yes when people are lonely cortisol levels shoot through the roof heart rate blood pressure community actually changes your physiology too so i think that's a huge part of what you're doing in this in this in this group is like people are in it together and how much more fun is that too Right? Like, do you have do you have people chatting with each other, holding each other accountable a little bit? You're in that on that journey as a community.
1: So exactly. You know, we've done a lot of refinement and study of this over time, and we had a Facebook community, right? And that worked really well for a time. Yeah. And then Facebook, in my opinion, revealed its true colors, and I you know I started to be censored in my own group, um, and it was just very dark vibes in there. Like just energetically, it got kind of like eh, not great. And I decided to leave Facebook. So I closed down all my communities on Facebook. And it was also at the same time that we started to recognize we need more now, right? At this point in time, like, you know, chitty chatty in a in a thread is one thing, but we wanna see that's why like everyone's how many YouTube videos are you watching a day? Because I'm, you know, bit shoot or YouTube, I'm watching probably like six a day and uh, the right. regular, right. We want to see each other. We want to just get a little more of that humanity through the pixels. And yeah. so we've changed the format for vital mind reset to small group video based, you know, zoom calls, uh, facilitated by Jamie Davidson, who is like, wow, angel from on high who came to my life year, a couple of years ago now. And she's just, her heart is like too big for her body. So it's, wow. it's really, um, a powerful kind of community that's a bit more intimate and then people connect as they want to. And we do the same thing in vital life project. Um, The groups are bigger, uh, but you know, each different one of those men's groups and there's me, I run a group and Jamie runs a group and it's um, just face to face, you know, which, which feels really good until, and if, you know, I have a community here that is feels like one of my greatest manifestations in this lifetime, Um, Mm -hmm. like-minded people, you know, we, we think similarly, we, you know, this, this whole um, experience, let's say, since March, uh, we've all been on the same wavelength and, you know, we, I don't know, it's a gift, right? So an in-person community is not really replaceable, <laughs> you know, yeah. with, by a digital community. And I've learned that only through my personal experience. But you know what? Your body gets the sense, memory and awakens to, I think, calling that in. Um, when you have that, when you can let your guard down and be like, Oh, these people know what I'm thinking, talking about what I've been through, at least in some way. And we can start from like letter O in the alphabet versus like letter B, you know? Yeah.
0: And that, I think like, that is the feeling I swear to God that humans are chasing for a long time is to have. A best friend or a person where you can be politically incorrect as fuck. You can say <laughs> the wrong thing, but they just know, hey, it's you, you know? Oh my God, what a feeling of connection and compassion. Now, I, I know we're almost out of time. One more question. Um, actually two. One, you came out with a few um pieces of literature over the years, but a few very recently. One I wanna mention is the one about tapering protocol. I looked everywhere for this and and there's so little information about tapering i looked for a very long time there's nothing good and when you talk to your doctor it's like okay here's a timeline and just yeah. decrease by this many milligrams over time so what's this protocol um and in this piece of literature this is amazing stuff
1: yeah so you know when when these outcomes started to you know come to my awareness both online and in my practice um, I just felt like people need to know that this is possible and how do I get, I could write a blog about it. But then there was kind of like this mischievous part of me that was like, maybe a little disruptive on PubMed and just you know, throw one or, one or two of these that are inconvenient, you know, on there, you know, I know yeah. how to write, I know how to write, you know, a medical report and, and you know, then I thought, okay, you know what, I need a little help. Cause there's a lot of them. And I put a call out for clinical volunteers and we amassed this, you know, kind of, I don't know, uh, ad hoc group of of physicians and we started writing these up. And so at this point, gosh, I don't know, I think we have like 10 or so case reports that as far as I know have never been replicated in medical history. And, you know, I, I get this spirit, I think, from my mentor, Nick, because he always said match my cases, you know, and he always challenged um, the oncology community to match his cases of, you know, 34 years stage four pancreatic cancer survival, you know, it's never happened. It's never been documented. Wow. Not probably possible. Maybe even because of the mindset of the disempowered dependent patient. It may be yeah. simple. It may not even be about the toxic chemo and radiation. Who knows? However, uh, then we started to ramp up into what's called a case series, which is 12 patients and looking at you know how these twelve patients progressed either when they started a, a medication taper with me or when they had already kind of like you know skid off the road with protracted withdrawal and could they recover? So it's important mm. to demonstrate you know both were possible. Um, and most recently, because of Dr. Rob Abbott, um, who's a, a now friend who again fell from the sky. Uh, and said, you know, let's do a randomized trial of Vital Mind Reset. And we got IRB approval and I mean, it's just brilliant. And we worked with these wonderful volunteers to have this trial, uh, randomized um, controlled trial. We just finished it. And in 44 days, these people who I never met, so they didn't have a doctor, right? And it was just lifestyle choices. They had characteristics of moderate depression Okay, And they experienced more than 50% symptom relief. So according to the medical, you know, literature and psychiatric um, research in the PHQ-9, which is the, uh, the, the test that was used, you know, that's statistically significant. And this was in a month, you know, I, I never have treated a patient for just one month.
0: So when they were on, they were still on their medication though, or somewhere off? Changed.
1: Yeah, nothing else was changed. And that's how I do okay. it in my practice. You're on meds, you stay you off meds, you stay on. Got it. Like no changes to pharmaceuticals for the first month. That includes birth control includes everything stays static. Yeah. Um, and the only thing, you know, it don't start any supplements. That's the only kind of other instruction. Yeah. Um, but it's been, it's been really fun. I don't know. It, it's exciting to me and I don't know who, who cares, you know, like it, it kind of feels like, I'm throwing these papers out into a wind tunnel because I don't know, you know, who, who cares literally, uh, because I've been largely You
0: got one, you got one fan got one. right here. <laughs> I care.
1: But you know, in the medical community, I've been, you know, ignored, um, since my first book in 2016, which was like blacklisted. And, and, and I was not slandered, uh, you know, I, there weren't hit pieces and smear pieces not, that didn't come till later. Um, and it's just kind of like it even made the New York times list somehow. And, no one, it's not a one, one negative review of it online. So bizarre. I was just totally Mm -hmm. ignored, which I'm happy with, but that's kind of still been the case. So it's not like I'm looking to like debate with the medical orthodoxy or anything. I'm not interested in that, but for some of us, it's important for me where I was, when I was diagnosed, I would have liked to see these kinds of papers. They would have impact if not just placebo effect level, you know, for me.
0: Yeah, totally. And that's, I guess that's a mission of a lot of Activist, let's say, or even for me, it's like I put content out what I wish I knew ten years ago. Right. And so, for people in that stage, and I, I totally believe what you said from my experience. Like everyone has their own time of discovery, awakening, and when they want to start a new journey or change paths, uh, things happen at certain times. And I think it's really evident when you when you really look at these kind of case studies and people that you work with. Um, I think that's all the time we have. Although I have. Uh, twenty eight more questions. So we'll have to do this again.
1: Oh my god, everyone's heard enough of me. I'm pretty sure.
0: No way! Oh, so much more to talk about. We didn't even get into like misconceptions about depression and anxiety, and uh, oh my gosh. But we'll save it for another time. Matt James did have a question though. Oh, it's not me. Um, it's is. I think I want to word it correctly. Are all mental illnesses people who are parasympathetic dominant?
1: Hmm. That's a very, very good question. And it's, I wrote about this. uh, I don't know if I've written about it in a blog. Normally I have a lot of my material in blogs for free online, but this maybe. Anyway, this is a rubric that I learned from my mentor, Nick, this parasympathetic and sympathetic dominant um, spectrum. I'm a sympathetic dominant. Um, I am somebody who is much more prone to anxiety I've never felt depressed a day in my life. And um, parasympathetic dominance are, I think, By and large, those who uh, experience depression, um, ADHD, uh, that there's a kind of uh, energetic signature of the creative person, you know, Mm -hmm. um, the artist that when mischanneled, misguided, when with their sensitive physiology, when they're eating a bunch of crap, you know, can go really, you know, haywire and land them in the medical system and they get labeled with these Things. Right. But not all mental illness fits that category. Um, most in my experience, this template that I that is a parasympathetic dominant diet that mm-hmm. I work with is perfect for the month starting. However, like the the animal food content may not be right for you. Um, and I've had, you know, patients who have gone on to more vegetarian style of eating but that's because they found out what their preferences are which right. you only do when you're not being yoked in every direction by you know sugar addiction and this roller coaster um of endocrine you know response to your processed food diet so it's a it's a safe assumption for um People who struggle with depression and ADHD, I would say. And then beyond that, it's just a template to start with and refine.
0: Got it's it. Kind of there you, there it. you go, Matt. You happy? <laughs> I was fangirling, but he was too. He's like, you're talking to who? Because he's in <laughs> your group.
1: Of course. No. What so there cool. you go. Yeah.
0: Everyone listening and watching, uh, Kelly's links are in the description. Please check out her website. There's so many freebies, so many blog posts, so many free PDFs and takeaways. um, You'll learn a heck of a lot. Um, And her her membership groups are on the website as well. Check out her Instagram, even though she's leaving. uh, All the social links are below. Kelly, thank you so, so much.
1: Awesome. Thank you.